In life, oftentimes, we need a safe place to run to. We, we'll feel that when we meet the challenges of life. Psalm 91 gives us that answer, and we should run to that secret place of the Most High that the psalmist mentions because it is the only safe place. There are three points that we want to give consideration to. Dwell in God's name. We'll see that as we go along. Uh, shelter under His wings and then rest in His strength. I'll go ahead and pull up that first one. Dwell in God's name. I think a lot of us, at least those maybe that are a little bit older, have heard of a singer-songwriter by the name of John Denver. You ever heard of him? Yeah, we've all heard of John Denver. Haven't a number of years ago, he wrote a song entitled, Some Days Are Diamonds and Some Days Are Stone. And uh, I've always liked that title, and I thought, boy, there's a lot of truth to that, aren't they? Some days are really shining. Some days are like diamonds. And then some days are like stone. And uh, the first line in that song says, Some days are diamonds, some days are stones. And sometimes the hard times just won't leave me alone. And sometimes that's the way it feels. And during those times, when it feels like hard times are really pressing down upon us, have you ever just wanted to have a safe place that you could run to? You know, from the time we are little kids, it's like we want to have a place where we can escape. We want to have a place where we can feel safe. And if you ever watch a little kid in bed at night, sometimes when things get a little scary, what do they do? They just yank the covers up over their head, don't they? <laughs> then all of a sudden the whole world is shut out and they feel safe and they're in that safe place. But as an adult... Has there ever come a time when you just feel like pulling the covers up over your head? <laughs> just kind of shut the world out. I just want a quiet place. I just want to be safe for a little bit. Well, the question is this. When those hard times come, how is it that you deal with it? Can we deal with it? Where do we go to find help? during those difficult times that we face. You know, it's been said, Psalms 91 is a tender and intimate psalm describing the confidence a person can have who chooses to follow after, follow after God. So those three points. We'll notice God's names. We'll notice that he says to shelter under his wings and then rest in his strength. Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. So at the very outset of this psalm, the writer ascribes four names and gives those to God. Those are very important names. That is, as you look at them there, it's like it's the Most High, it's the Almighty, it's the Lord, and it's God. Hebrew, Telion, Shaddai, Yahweh, Elohim. Four very important names. Four names that describe. Four names that give us a revelation about God. Four names that help us to make the application to our own lives. Four names that help us to relate to Him and what that means to us. Very important. And we're going to notice those as we go along. But before we get going in those, 
I want to give you this kind of little illustration from a childhood sort of rhyme. I'm sure you've heard this before. You may have used this before in your own defense. This is the way it goes. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Ever heard that? Have you ever told a child to use that? And what are you teaching them when you tell them that? Well, there's actually things that can harm you physically. There's sticks and stones. But a lot of times, maybe it's a childhood playmate or whatever, may call them some name, and that kind of stings. And you say, but names will never hurt you. What you're saying is, well, just kind of ignore that. It'll be okay. Most times, it just passes. But the philosophy is a little different as you get older, isn't it? Yeah, we understand there's sticks and stones that can hurt us. There's things that can harm us physically. But there's also those other things that can harm us mentally, emotionally, psychologically, aren't there? And so it's not just as easy just to ignore. And so sometimes we think about those attacks on our person, on our self-esteem, and on our self-worth. Sometimes we think about our own mistakes. Sometimes we think about our own sins. And it penetrates. Penetrates your heart. Penetrates your mind. Penetrates your self-image. Penetrates your self-worth. And it can be damaging. It can be destructive can tear us down. And sometimes there are those things that come our way in life that we want to run from. We want to hide from. And there are the angry storms that come our way. And when the rains and the winds beat on you, do you have an anchor for your soul? Do you have a rock to stand on? Remember the close of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew the 7th chapter, about verses 24 and 25. Jesus is talking about two builders. One builds on sand, one builds on the rock. He said he who builds their house, what he's talking about is their life. And there's a choice. Will you build on sand? Will you build on something that shifts and changes every day and all the time? Or will you build your house, will you build your life on a rock? Something that's going to be there. And it's going to be secure. Well, there's a place that God has given where it doesn't change. That we can build our life on. And that's what Psalms 91 is all about. I also want to say this as we get into this psalm. You can read various commentators on Psalms 91. And there are some that will suggest, oh, this is a psalm written by Moses. And then they will say that this might have correlated with the time when Joshua Caleb went into the promised land and so forth. And it's like, I I have a hard time seeing that. (laughs) It's like, well, I guess it's possible. And then some will say, no, it's not Moses, it's David. He wrote that. And he was probably written after David had taken that census. Remember that when he shouldn't have taken that census and God sent that plague upon the land. But at the same time, it's 
it's not totally clear that David wrote this and that that was the occasion. Some others will suggest that somebody else wrote it. And so as you start to examine Psalms 91, you get to thinking, well, who did write this and who were they writing to? Do you know both of those things are unclear? (laughs) There's nobody that can say definitively who wrote this psalm. Nobody can say definitively exactly who it was written to on what occasion. But you know what is clear? (laughs) The message that is stated there in Psalms 91. So if the Holy Spirit had wanted us to know who wrote it, He would have revealed it. If the Holy Spirit would have wanted us to know exactly the occasion when this was written, He would have revealed it. So what's the point? The psalm was written for all people, for all time. That's the point. Take the truth of this psalm and apply it to your situation. That's the importance of Psalms 91. And the importance of Psalm 91 is very simply this. Do you know in life trouble is going to come your way? (laughs) I think you've probably figured that out by now, haven't you? I've figured that out by now. And it's not that somebody or that some people go through this life just totally unscathed. They just never have any problems. That's just not the way it is. It's not a matter if they will come. The point is, when do they come? And when they come, what's going to be your response? Job says over in Job chapter 5 and about verse 7, Yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. You know what Job's saying? Job's saying you can stand around a campfire and you can watch the logs burn. And as they burn, what happens? Sparks go up every time. (laughs) That's what happens. And that's what Job's saying. Man is born to trouble. It's going to happen. So it's not a question if. It's just a question when. And so Psalms 91 offers a proposition. It really offers an invitation. And what the psalmist is saying is that you should abide in God, dwell in that secret place, abide under the shadow of the Almighty, because that's the safest place to be. So in verses 1 and 2, that's where he reveals those four names. The Most High, the Almighty, the Lord, and God. And he invites you to examine that. Take a look at these names and how God has revealed himself. Names of God. And what they do is they reveal the character of God. In verse 1, he says, Dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That's Elion. That's the one who is over everything. That's the one who is the possessor of heaven and earth. God is over the good. He's over the bad. He's over the ups. He's over the downs. And what the psalmist wants you to know is that when problems come, and this is what we oftentimes do, 
we may think to ourselves or we may say to someone else, oh, you don't know how big my problem is. <laughs> and that's the way it is. I have this huge problem. And what the psalmist is saying is when those things come, don't focus on how big your problem is. Focus on how big God is. He's the one that's over everything. Luke the 12th chapter, Matthew the 10th chapter. Jesus is reassuring those who are listening to him on that occasion that God sees them. God knows what's going on in your life. And then he says this. In the marketplace are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And he said, you're worth more than many sparrows. He goes on to say, there is not even one that falls that he doesn't know about. See what he's saying? God knows, God cares, God sees, and you're worth way more than that. So he's saying, he wants you to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Now let me give you a little illustration. I'm not a real big hunter. (laughs) Our son is really into hunting. He's the one that has kind of led me into it more or less. Instead of the father leading the son, it's the son leading the father. But we've hunted on several occasions. One of the things that we've done is gone bird hunting. Maybe some of you guys have gone birding. Maybe some of you have gone quail hunting. So if you're not familiar, I'll just kind of explain just a little bit. Quails don't make their their nests in trees. You ever notice that? (laughs) You don't find quail up in trees. Where do you find quail? You find quail on the ground. And they will make their nest in tall grass or in brush and so forth. So when you go out quail hunting, you know what the objective is? You want to stir up the quail. You want to scare the quail. Because you can actually be walking along in tall grass and so forth, and there may be some quail right there, and they just quiet, and you you, you just walk right on by. <laughs> so what you want to do, hopefully, stir them up. You want to scare them. And if quail get scared enough, you know what they do? They fly. And there's an old saying among quail hunters, and it goes like this. If you fly, you die. You fly, you die. You leave that sacred place or that sacred place. That's exactly what you want to do. You want to scare them from that safe place so that they fly, and when they fly, they die. Can you see what the psalmist is saying? Dwell in the secret place of Elion. 
Don't scare them. Don't fly. Stay there. Then he says, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's Shaddai. You know, oftentimes whenever we think about Almighty, then we think strength physical strength and so forth. Or immediately we may think in regards to God Almighty, the one who creates the heavens and the earth. And we think about that power. But there's another way in which the psalmist is speaking here. The way he's speaking here is in Almighty in grace. That the Almighty can give you His love, His word, His direction, His grace that protects you in all kinds of situations in life. This is the Almighty who is bountiful in all of our needs. What He's saying is you won't have lack. You won't have want. He can supply what you need in that situation. This is the same name that is used in Genesis 17 chapter whenever God, when the Almighty, calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and tells him to separate from his place, to separate from his people to a land that he will show him. And so Abraham went out. The Hebrew writer says. Doesn't know where he's going. Doesn't know exactly what he's going to encounter. Doesn't know exactly how God will provide. But Shaddai called. And he went. That's why the Hebrew writer says, by faith, he went out not knowing where he was going. It's the same thing Paul says over in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Come ye out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Let me see that. And then, thirdly, the writer says, I will say of the Lord. That's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's Yahweh. That's the name that God oftentimes uses when he's talking about making a covenant. And what the psalmist wants us to know is this is the Lord. This is Yahweh. This is that covenant-keeping God who is faithful, that keeps his promises. It's the eternal one that is unchanging. It's the one who was and who is and who will be. He is faithful. You can count on Him. You can depend on Him. You can stake your life, your future, eternity on Him. It's Yahweh. Saying that's who that is. And then He says, My God, in Him I will trust. That's Elohim. That's Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. It's the Elohim who made the worlds and everything in it and everyone in it. And it's the Elohim who made you. 
Now listen to what the Hebrew writer says about that. Hebrews 12, furthermore, we had earthly fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of our spirits and live? You see what he's saying? If you listen to your earthly fathers, isn't it reasonable then that we would listen to our heavenly father? So four names. This is how he begins. Elion, he's the Most High. Shaddai, he's the Almighty. Yahweh, he is the Lord. Elohim, he is the God. He's the one who is over everything. He is the one who can supply for our every needs. He is the one who is faithful. He is your Father. He is your Creator. Overall, Almighty trustworthy your father that's who is inviting you to this safe place in verses 3 and 4 psalmist says surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Take verse 1 and verse 4. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 4. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. You know, a lot of times whenever we think about God, the immediate picture that comes to mind is not that of a mother hen, is it? But that's exactly what the psalmist is doing here. He said it's like this. Dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, Palestine was a land that had intensive heat. And if you were in the shade, that was in a place where you would be protected. You'd be able to escape the scorching sun. A place to be hidden from the sun. So in verse 1 he says, notice the transition. He who dwells. That's generally speaking. Verse 2, I will say. Verse 3 and 4. He will deliver you. Generally, self-application, inviting you to make that application also. If you're dwelling, if you're abiding in that safe place, He will protect you, cover you with His feathers, take refuge under His wings. The image of a bird covering the young or a mother hen gathering her chicks. Psalmist has used that kind of language for it. Psalms 57 and verse 1 says, In the shadow of thy wings I will make my refuge until these calamities pass by. So what's the psalmist saying? When those troubles come, this is where I go. And this is where I can find safety. This is where I can find refuge. 
Psalms 91 and verse 4 in the New Living Translation says it this way. Listen to what it says. He will cover you with his tender feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. That refuge is the place to run to. But the psalm or the writer says in the New Living Translation, those tender feathers. Keep that in mind for a moment. What's the image? that the writer's trying to get across. So when life happens, and sometimes it feels like things are just feels like really bizarre. You ever had that? (laughs) Have you ever just kind of scratched your head and thought, how is this happening? And why is this happening to me? And it seems like each day is unpredictable and the future is uncertain. It feels like troubles are going to swallow you. And things that you didn't think would ever happen to you are now happening to you. So what's going to keep you? What's going to sustain you? And what the writer is saying is, Elion, Shaddai, Yahweh, Elohim, wants you to come to this safe place. It's that relationship. That's the anchor. That's the rock. That's the refuge. That's the place that can calm your soul. He'll protect you with his tender feathers. Now I want to give you a couple of illustrations to help get across the point I think the writer's trying to make. First Kings the eighteenth chapter eighteen and nineteen. And we'll be coming up on this before long. It's Elijah. And Elijah really just kind of explodes onto the scene, so to speak, in chapter 17 when he marches in before King Ahab and he says, there will be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. (laughs) Elijah, meaning Yahweh is my God. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you, O king, there will be no dew, there will be no rain except at his word. And then he turns around and he leaves town. (laughs) And we'll look at that when we get there. But we all know what happens in 1 Kings 18th chapter. I think most of us do anyway. Ultimately, there's going to be a showdown between the prophets of Baal and the one prophet, Elijah of God. And you know who wins that battle, right? Baal is proven to be a false god. Those prophets are proven to be false prophets. Elijah is proven to be the prophet of God. And God, Jehovah, is proven to be the one true God. And that's up on Mount Carmel. Now, you ever had those times when you're feeling really good in life? And then you come down the mountain and all of a sudden life down here is not so good. We have those, don't we? 
And so when you come down the mountain in life, it's not so good. What do you need to remember? Same thing Elijah needed to remember. Because when he comes down the mountain, you know who he gets word from? Not Ahab, from Jezebel. (laughs) From his wife. And she said, I'm going to kill you, essentially. And so what's Elijah do? He's like that quail. (laughs) He runs. He runs. And eventually, chapter 19... We catch up with him again and he's on this mountain and he's hiding back in a cave. And then all of a sudden, there's this mighty wind. The wind is so mighty that it's breaking rocks. But it says God's not in the wind. And then after that, there's this earthquake. And we're told, but God's not in the earthquake. And then there's fire. But God's not in the fire. And then finally, there's this small, still voice. And you know what the voice says? Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, wasn't it God who sent you? Elijah, isn't it God who's provided for you all along? Wasn't it God who provided water? Provided the ravens to bring you? Hasn't God taken care of you, Elijah? And yet when life got hard, really hard, and you got scared, you ran. And Elijah says, well, in his own defense, they were all turning against me. (laughs) And my life was threatened. I'm the only one left. And God said, Elijah, I want you to go to Syria. I want you to go anoint the next king. After you go to Syria, I want you to go to Israel. I want you to anoint the next king. And then after you go to Israel, I want you to go to Elijah because he's going to be the next prophet. I want you to anoint him. And oh, by the way, Elijah... There's 7,000 others out there who have not bowed the knee to Baal. There's others out there going through difficult things too. Sometimes when we go through difficult times, do you ever feel like, oh, I'm the only one? (laughs) And God's saying, no, you're not the only one. But Elijah, you know where you need to look? You need to look to God. I sustained you before. I can sustain you now. That's where you need to look, Elijah. He was being threatened from the outside. But being threatened from the outside, it got to the inside. And it scared him. And he ran. Now here's the other illustration. John the 8th chapter. Remember John 8? There's a woman who's taken in sin. And so they drag her out before Jesus. And they want to know what Jesus thinks about all this. And they start quoting the law. Well, they quote part of the law. They don't quote all the law. They just quote the part that they want to quote. And they've all got rocks. 
And they want to condemn her. They want to stone her. What if you had a chance to talk to that woman later? What if you had a chance to talk to her and say, hey, what, what happened there? What, what's that all about? I think she'd probably say, well, you know, um, I had this sin. And uh, they all wanted to crush me. They all had a rock and they wanted to hit me. Well, what happened after that? Well, Jesus said to them, if you don't have any sin, go ahead, throw that rock. The one that doesn't have any sin, go ahead, throw that rock. Well, then they all started to drop those rocks. I guess because they recognized they all got sin. And then they went away. And after they went away, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. There's dangers from without. And there are dangers from within. Our own sins. Sometimes things of the world threaten to destroy us. Sometimes we run the danger of destroying ourselves. And the psalmist is saying, shelter under his wing. He knows you. He knows your situation. And he wants to protect you. Psalms 91 and verse 4. He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings. You shall take refuge. His truth. Shall be your shield. And buckler. His truth. Not somebody else's. Not even your own. His truth. Shall be your shield. And your buckler. Once again, the New Living Translation says, His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. That's found. What the writer is saying is, is in His Word. New King James Version says, His shield. And as you think about a shield, a shield is what protects you from the darts and from the arrows that are thrown your way. But a buckler... That's something that wraps around you. Actually, a buckler can be used in a couple of senses. It can be used individually as something that would wrap around you to help protect you. But a buckler can also stand for a wall that it encompasses an entire city that helps protect it. So what the psalmist is suggesting is God is your shield. God is your buckler that surrounds you. It's His truth that is your shield. Your buckler. He's saying God is great. Once again, we don't know for certain who wrote Psalms 91. 
But we do know this about David who wrote numerous psalms. His psalms would always include hope against the raw reality of life. David had plenty of arrows and spears thrown at him. He had plenty of enemies. He had his own weaknesses. And in Psalms 91 verse 5, he speaks about terror by night, arrows flying by day, pestilence in the darkness, and destruction by noonday. David's talking about his circumstances. Ours is not exactly the same as David's. But it's symbolic to represent those things that threaten us in life. And destruction can come physically, but it can become emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. So what the psalmist wants us to realize is that our lives can be a lot like David's, if that's the illustration we want to use. But notice what he says in Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Verse 11. For He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You ever thought about that? He will give His angels charge over you. I'd like to be able to tell you I know how that all works. But I don't. But I know what he says. And that they act in my best interest. Verse 13. You, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. You ever think about scary things like a lion or a cobra? And he says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Verse 14. Because he, the he in verse 14 is the same as the person that he's talking about in verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place. Verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, that's God. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Elion. Shaddai. Yahweh. Elohim. Because he has known my name. We can face every fear, every battle, every sickness, every challenge, every self-destructive way. We can find refuge under the wings of the Almighty. It's an amazing psalm because we have an amazing God. And he's inviting us, run to the only safe place.
That's essentially Psalms 91. So we want to send the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If you're not a child of God, we would invite you to become a child of God. Give consideration to what's revealed about God and the refuge you can find there, the salvation you can find there. If you're a child of God and not been living faithfully, you need to come back to Him. The invitation's yours while together we stand and while we sing.